Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He looks so out of place. You can understand the reaction of John the Baptist when he sees his cousin Jesus coming to the river of Jordan in order to be baptized, along with all the other sinners who are coming confessing their sins and repenting of them. You can understand his reaction, his consternation. You can sympathize with John because, frankly, it looks a little bit like the rug has just been pulled out from under him. Now, what do I mean by that? Recall the context here. So when Jesus comes to the River Jordan, this is fast on the heels of John's preaching. And what has John been preaching? John has been preaching about the coming judgment of God and how God is going to come with uh, an axe and the axe is already laid to the root and that the mighty Messiah, when he arrives, yes, he will baptize, but not with water, but with fire. Ooh, his winnowing fork is in his hands. Y'all better watch out. That's John's preaching, right? And even while the words are still in his mouth, you can almost imagine the, the kind of tittering from the crowd. Because who should come up behind John there over his shoulder but the mighty Messiah who looks meek and mild. Here's Jesus himself, no winnowing fork in his hand, but instead looking for himself to come and be baptized by John. I mean, you just imagine the dismay. John's like, wait a second. No, 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 no. I need to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? Jesus, none of this looks good. None of this looks good at all, right? The optics, as they say, are just not positive here. This is not who you are supposed to be. He's like the Wizard of Oz, and the curtain is suddenly being pulled back, right? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. John's like, guys, we're just going to take a time out here. I need to have a little talk with Jesus here to remind him that he is the Messiah. And yet Jesus is undeterred for all the roadblocks that John throws up, for all of his attempts to try and dissuade Jesus to push him back. Jesus, like a steamroller, is dead set on his mission. And his mission in this moment is to go into the River Jordan. He seems so out of place. And yet it's even worse than that, isn't it? It's even worse than that because Jesus going to be baptized along with all of those other sinners, that doesn't just compromise or complicate John's understanding of the Messiah's mission, but of his very identity. Who is this Jesus? Is he not the sinless lamb of God? And so what's he doing wading in the waters in this baptism for repentance? What's he doing standing in the place of sinners. Why is Jesus being baptized? Now, this is a question that has caused no shortage of embarrassment for Christians over the centuries, to be perfectly honest. Teachers, preachers, Christians have wrestled with this question, trying to make sense of it. Yeah, why would Jesus be baptized? One of my favorite responses comes from a, a teacher in the early church, a guy by the name of Cyril of Alexandria, who points out that Jesus came up immediately out of the water. He says, Jesus came up immediately out of the water. And this, is, this is, uh, runs counter to the, what it was typically like for the other sinners who were baptized, where Cyril says, they were held under water for quite a while because of all of their sins. 
Jesus didn't need to do that. He came up immediately, so there you go. He didn't have any sin. That's an interesting interpretation. But other answers have been given to the question of why Jesus was baptized. Some people say, well, it's, it's an affirmation of John's ministry. It's Jesus kind of giving an attaboy, saying, hey, guys, this John, he's on the right track, and so I'm going to come and be baptized by him. Others have said it's Jesus providing an example for all the rest of us to follow. You should be baptized, so Jesus is leading by example, so he goes to be baptized. Or perhaps the most common answer to this question of why he was baptized is that Jesus goes into the water in order to, in a sense, sanctify or make holy all water to be used for baptism. Okay, so when you're baptized, you don't just need water from the River Jordan. Any water is good because Jesus, like a human iodine tablet, has now gone into the river and thus purified all waters ever after for baptism. These are some of the answers that have been given, and they all offer, I think, some, some measure of merit. But you notice that Jesus' own enigmatic response to John points us in a little bit of a different direction. So John's trying to stop him. No, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. And yet, yet you come to me. And Jesus responds. He says this. John, allow it for now. For in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Let me hear you say fitting. Fitting. I want to spend just a moment with that word fitting. Because it's important here. You think about the word fitting, and that raises a natural next question, which is fitting in relation to what, right? You're fitting, fitting is a, a relative word. It's a comparison word. You are fitting in this sort of way. We talk about, um, you know, how the, the punishment should fit the crime. Like in the movie Cars, Lightning McQueen destroys the road. His punishment is fix the road. The science writer Nicholas Carr a few years ago was writing a book called The Shallows, how the internet is destroying our brains. And so to write it for three months, he went to a cabin with no internet. It was fitting. Or over in Clare, some of you might know about this, there is a business that is run by the fraternal organization of the police officers there. And what kind of business is it? A donut shop. It is fitting. It is fitting. God bless them. Cops and donuts. <clears throat> All the more reason, then, to wonder why in the world Jesus is being baptized and why he says it is fitting. What could be more ill-fitting or unsuitable? What could be more out of place than the sinless Son of God in the place of sinners? Ah, but then again, maybe that's just it. Maybe that's just it of why Jesus came, why he is standing in the place of sinners at his baptism, because this is why he came, as the sinless Lamb of God, in order to stand in the place of sinners. See, this is who he is. This is why he came. It is fitting indeed. See, spiritually speaking, the waters of the Jordan River flow right to the foot of Mount Calvary. Jesus' baptism points to what he is going to do. Save his people from their sins. Wash them of their sins. And also how he is going to do it. By standing in your stead and mine. By vicariously taking on to himself all the sins of the world. This is where he is initiating what I've come to think of as his sponge mission. Okay? 
And Jesus' sponge mission is that he is going to absorb, he is going to sop up the sludge of sinful humanity. It starts here at the Jordan River as he wades into, those, into the waters alongside all of the other sinners, confessing and repenting, but it continues his whole life and ministry long. We see it especially um, in his, his ministry to the lepers and the outcasts. Because think about it, why is it that people are so scandalized in the way that Jesus deals with them? What does he do to the lepers? He touches them. As part of his sponge mission, he is absorbing sin and all of its effects into himself. This is who he is and this is why he came. Until finally, when he has taken all of those sins into himself, he goes to Calvary. He goes onto the cross. And upon the cross, he is going to be wrung out. And all of those sins will drip into the ground once and for all. He stands in the place of sinners. It is fitting for him to do so. That's who he is. That's why he came. As unexpected and seemingly out of place as it is. That's why I'm convinced that the Father chooses this moment then to open the heavens, to anoint Jesus with the Spirit, to speak these words this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. As contrary to expectations as it might be, as counterintuitive as it seems that this would be my son standing in the place of sinners. But the father wants to make utterly obvious and plain here at this moment that yes, indeed, this is my beloved and this is what he has been sent to do. I am well pleased in him in this mission and in this effort. See, there's such power in those words of the Father affirming the mission of the Son and His baptism. And there's power in those words for you and me too. Because you share His baptism. Because you have been joined to Him in His baptism. There's power in yours as well. And that power gives you both confidence and comfort. It gives you confidence, first of all, to stand in the place of sinners yourself. No, we are still saints and sinners. And so wherever you stand, you are, properly speaking, standing in the place of a sinner. Let's be clear about that. But you can have confidence going out into the world, in your vocations, in your neighborhoods, standing in the places that were sometimes you might feel a little bit uncomfortable among people who don't know the Lord because Jesus already goes before you and stands beside you, see. Because you are baptized, you are united with him. He stands with you in those places. You can be confident going out bearing witness to the world because already the sinless lamb of God who was slain and who is risen, he stands with you and goes before you. Already you have died and risen with him, united with him. And so you can have confidence in those places of the world where it might feel like you're a little bit out of place. You are in the place that God would have you when you are united with Christ. And so it gives us confidence. But not only that, there's power in your baptism because it also gives you comfort. It gives you comfort, especially in those times when the world feels out of place, where you feel like you don't belong, where you are struggling just to, just to get by. I think back to a, a many years ago now, I was having a season like this one of the deepest and darkest that I've experienced my whole life long. 
And it wasn't so much a matter that I questioned or doubted God's existence, but I was wondering whether he was with me, and if he was, why I was going through this kind of dark night of the soul, right? But the turning point came one day with my lunch. <clears throat> now, my dear beloved wife uh, would pack me a lunch, right? And she packs me a lunch, and I open up the lunch one day, and in my lunch is a sandwich, and on the sandwich there's a post-it note. And written on the post-it note is a verse from a hymn, a hymn that we're going to sing in just a moment. God's own child, I gladly say it. And that verse said this, Satan, hear this proclamation. I am baptized into Christ. Drop your ugly accusation. I am not so soon enticed. Now that to the font I've traveled, all your might has come unraveled. All your might has come unraveled unraveled, and against your tyranny, God, my Lord, unites with me. And in that moment, I was reminded of this vital, comforting truth. I'm baptized. And because I am baptized, come what may, I know that my Lord is standing beside me and with me. He unites with me. That's the promise that you and I have. Come what may, you are baptized. You can have confidence to stand in the place of sinners, even as your Savior did and does, and comfort knowing that he is with you always to the very end of the age. Nothing could be more fitting than that. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.